You are listening to a podcast produced by the Jackson School of International Studies and the Ellison Center for Russian, East European, and Central Asian Studies at the University of Washington. This and other podcasts can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information, visit us at jsis.washington.edu forward slash Ellison Center. Everybody and thank you very much for coming tonight. Um, such a wonderful Seattle of uh, weather, and uh, so that's a good thing because um, uh, Mr. George Meyer, the Romanian ambassador to the U.S., is here for the first time. <laughs> yeah, not uh, It is a great honor and indeed a pleasure to introduce His Excellency, the Romanian Ambassador to the U.S., Mr. George Meyer. Mr. Meyer is a diplomat, a published author, and a professor at the National School of Political Studies and Public Administration in Bucharest. As a diplomat, he held several key posts between 1992 and 2005. He was chargé d'affaires at the Romanian Embassy in Dublin, Later, he um, um, had the position of the ambassador, equivalent of the ambassador in Dublin. When, upon his return to Romania, he was the head of the Department of Strategic Affairs, the Department of Euro-Atlantic Integration and Defense Policy within the Ministry of National Defense. His most important contribution was coordinated the strategic and military efforts of Romania's NATO accession. In 2009, he became the head of the Romanian intelligence for more than eight years, up to 2015, when he was appointed ambassador to the US and presented his credentials to President Obama in October the same year. With a PhD in international law, from one of the most prominent universities in Romania, Babes Boye in Cluj. Yay, we had full rights who are there. Um, George Meyer is also a reputed author who has published uh, more than a dozen of books and uh, edited and uh, several others. Among them, about intelligence, focuses on the 21st century, challenges of the intelligence services, Another one, uh, a wonderful one, Frank Wisner, Forever Spy, which is a biography of a spy slash hero who wanted to change the world. Both of them were published in 2014. The second editions of two of his most, um, I, I would say, bestsellers uh, books, um, Uncertainty, Strategic Thinking, and International Relations, and the second one is The New Ally, Rethinking Romania's Defense Policy at the Beginning of the 21st Century, are living proofs of the success of the author who writes political and intelligence bestsellers. His readers and critics alike appreciate his thorough research, detailed analysis, as well as the fluid and charming style of his prose that keep them engaged to the last sentence. Believe me, I'm looking forward to an English translation of any of his books, and then we will all enjoy them. It gives me great pleasure now to turn the podium to His Excellency, Mr. George Meyer, the Romanian ambassador to the US.
Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Anyway, I now recognize me in this uh, wonderful presentation. Uh, probably I'm, I'm uh, better in writing uh, than in speaking. But uh, again, it's a pleasure to be here in Seattle. It's not uh, the first time I've been here, uh, actually 15 or 16 years ago. Not at the university, but uh, as a young uh, diplomat uh, trying to understand uh, the evolving challenges of uh, the uh, technological developments in the world that have so much uh, affected uh, international relations since. It was a wonderful conference held in uh, uh, Seattle about the future of technology in terms of international relations. And it seems that the predictions made the, then uh, are uh, now uh, in a way confirmed by certain realities, certain evolutions, certain dynamics that I will speak uh, uh, myself uh, today. Um, the topic of uh, uh, this uh, conference, of course, is uh, security challenges and opportunities for NATO, Romania, and the US uh, in uh, Eastern Europe. Um, it's, uh, in a way, uh, interesting to discuss those aspects, taking into account that, uh, for example, uh, now uh, your uh, actual president, uh, Mr. Trump, is visiting uh, Asia, much discussion on the situation in the Pacific, much discussion on the ballistic missile threat uh, for, from uh, North Korea, of course, uh, discussions on Syria and uh, terrorism. And now, we're here to approach uh, a region uh, which is well integrated uh, into the European Union, uh, Central and Eastern Europe, uh, a region that is uh, an important part indeed of uh, the North Atlantic Alliance with countries that are solid members uh, sharing their uh, responsibilities in terms of uh, security and defense a peaceful area, uh, if we define peace in terms of stability and security, apparently, uh, an area of prosperity, taking into account the good dynamics uh, of the region. Just to give you an example, Romania, as a member of the European Union, has the uh, now the highest growth uh, in economics in terms of GDP, more than 6.5%, uh, which is a, a, an important figure uh, taking into account, into account economics uh, in, uh, inside the European Union. So a region that uh, has prosperity, has achieved security after years of uh, hardships, uh, very uh, vibrant uh, in terms of uh, its culture, yeah, identity, and uh, belonging uh, to the Western community now. However, uh, the, the picture is not, not so uh, bright, uh, unfortunately, as uh, described if uh, 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 speaking uh, from an inside, uh, insider uh, of the region. Uh, this is because of uh, certain evolutions uh, that have affected um, 
that area uh, in terms of uh, geopolitics, politics in the last, at least the last 15 years, I will say, but more pregnantly in the last uh, 10 years. So if we just take several events that you, of course, know, uh, the first one, 2008, uh, the war in Georgia, in the area of the Black Sea, in the geographical proximity of uh, Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, first uh, hot war, in fact, uh, after uh, the end of uh, communism in 1989. Uh, an important event in terms of uh, uh, a country trying to reassert its power and its vision on security, Russia invading uh, practically a very small uh, country undefended uh, then and, and incapable of uh, uh, really uh, opposing uh, such a power. Then uh, a period of uh, evolutions related to these uh, technological developments uh, that I've mentioned related uh, to uh, the use of uh, non-conventional methods and means, again, uh, from Russia uh, towards Central and Eastern Europe in terms of trying to uh, instill uh, in those areas narratives, uh, ideas uh, that uh, were not related uh, to the evolution of the, those countries uh, towards democracy, towards market economies, trying to destabilize, uh, in a way, political systems, uh, trying to introduce uh, disharmony among uh, their cooperation and their uh, uh, standing uh, in uh, the European Union and NATO, uh, trying uh, even through classical propaganda uh, to undermine uh, the economic efforts of this country uh, to reach prosperity. And this has intensified uh, over the years. Uh, we, uh, as Romanians, uh, with our national uh, systems and mechanisms, have detected this. The Poles have detected this. The Baltics have detected this. We have discussed uh, this aspect with uh, friends and allies from the European Union and NATO, but still uh, there was that uh, uh, paradigm of thinking that uh, we need, uh, and we do need, and I will get back to this, uh, a cooperative and uh, rational attitude towards our uh, relations with Russia. All those, those, although those aspects were intensifying and really affecting uh, those countries. Then 2014, 2012, uh, sorry, uh, Crimea, uh, a, a, an evolution that really shocked, uh, in a way, uh, the region in terms of its uh, uh, implications uh, in, in geopolitics and with respect uh, to uh, international law. Uh, I think for the first time after World War II, uh, a country acquired by force, through force, the territory, uh, which really raised important questions about uh, 
the applicability of a certain uh, basic norm of international law related to self-determination and uh, uh, sovereignty, uh, and uh, really uh, generated uh, a sentiment of, of fear and apprehension uh, that uh, went from the Baltics, uh, from the Baltic Sea, the Baltic states, uh, uh, very small, very young, uh, but then dynamic states towards uh, the Black Sea, uh, Poland, uh, in Central Europe, Romania. So an, an entire area uh, related to uh, this, uh, uh, those countries uh, in Central and uh, Eastern Europe. Geographically, to be very concrete, uh, Crimea is less than 150 miles uh, from the shores of a NATO country, uh, that's Romania, uh, in the Black Sea. And uh, of course, this raised important questions about uh, the uh, security uh, of the eastern flank of NATO, about uh, uh, Russia's future intentions uh, in the region and about the implications of such uh, an important uh, move uh, by Russia in terms of the international order as defined uh, after uh, World War II, about international law and about uh, a certain capacity to have a framework for uh, dialogue uh, with Russia. Of course, the events uh, are more complex uh, than this. Uh, uh, think about Ukraine, a very big and important country in uh, Central uh, and Eastern Europe that was affected uh, by this dislocation of territory. Uh, that was also and is still affected in terms of its internal uh, political, economic, and social dynamics with uh, the events uh, taking place uh, in the eastern part uh, of uh, Ukraine. So suddenly uh, the rationale for NATO uh, has uh, changed after uh, those uh, events and uh, dynamics uh, I've mentioned. And it was uh, up to NATO to try uh, to reach up to its mission uh, of uh, uh, seriously addressing challenges that we thought, we all thought, uh, were uh, 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 coming from a uh, uh, distant past. Even classical challenges related to aggressive uh, policies uh, in on the frontiers of NATO, uh, military uh, invasions, and uh, add to this, uh, this new dimension I mentioned, uh, non-conventional uh, methods trying to, uh, in a way, uh, impose uh, certain ideas uh, not related to, to our vision about Europe uh, and democracy in Central and Eastern Europe. So very complicated uh, strategic environment in security terms, in military terms, in political terms. Uh, summits that have taken place in Wales uh, uh, and uh, now uh, recently in Warsaw, made uh, countries from uh, Central and Eastern Europe to 
convey a powerful message uh, to other allies uh, from NATO to try uh, to uh, reinsure uh, the, the strategic post posture of uh, the eastern uh, flank of NATO, the frontier, uh, practically, of NATO uh, to those uh, challenges emerging from the Baltic Sea uh, towards uh, the Black Sea. And certain decisions uh, were taken in this respect, uh, a certain evolution of the center of gravity in military terms from uh, uh, the center geography of NATO towards uh, Central and Eastern Europe, the creation of, uh, for example, multinational military structure in the Baltic states or uh, uh, in the uh, southern part of the Eastern Plank in Romania, Bulgaria, Poland, uh, in order to create an atmosphere of deterrence uh, to show uh, that uh, really uh, we can withstand uh, such dynamics which are negative in terms of security and we can uh, have the uh, capacity to, to respond uh, seriously to them. Uh, some said it was not much in terms of uh, uh, what uh, we could have done uh, better. Some say uh, that uh, uh, it's a rational response uh, that uh, needs uh, to be uh, further developed uh, and uh, this is uh, still an open question. Uh, recent dynamics, however, in Crimea show that uh, Crimea is uh, witnessing now a serious militarization in, in terms of uh, the evolution uh, on the peninsula. Uh, the deployment of uh, various systems uh, capable of uh, uh, creating interdictions uh, in a small sea, which is the Black Sea. But the sea, uh, even though small, uh, dividing uh, now more and more two systems, two worlds, a democratic one, the European Union, NATO, and uh, such uh, a, a vision on uh, security and international relations. Now, sometimes uh, 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 some people might think that perhaps we are a bit exaggerating the threat, that uh, there is a certain historical apprehension that generates a certain perception and mentality on those developments and, of course, uh, that we should uh, try to approach uh, aspects in a more uh, lenient uh, way in terms of uh, involving Russia uh, in, uh, in cooperation in terms of what uh, the world challenges are really are. And uh, I come again uh, to the big challenges related to North Korea, ballistic missile threat, uh, Syria, uh, the terrorist threat, ISIS. And indeed, I agree with this. We need uh, to have Russia engage and uh, cooperating on those common challenges that may affect the uh, security of all. But uh, when uh, this, uh, in practical terms, in operational terms, uh, it seems that it's not working uh, very efficiently and well right now, when even debate uh, in uh, the United States it's uh, very much related to 
Russian intrusion not only uh, what to do I, uh, I have uh, already mentioned in the politics of uh, European states but even in terms of uh, its uh, effects uh, in, in uh, the politics of uh, a big state like uh, your state uh, United States and I won't get much into this but it's a discussion uh, of course here then uh, the question is how to approach uh, uh, a method of involving Russia in a cooperative uh, mode uh, to solve uh, those uh, big challenges that I mentioned uh, we all have to face. And that's an open question. Discussions are important. Uh, countries like Romania and Poland uh, from that part of the world, of course, would like to have uh, a, a dialogue on rational terms with Russia, but also on equal footing and with respect uh, to international law. And unfortunately, this is uh, very uh, hard uh, to achieve uh, right now. Of course, the biggest uh, responsibility uh, belongs uh, to actually the leader, uh, I would say, of the North Atlantic Alliance, that is the United States. That is why we as Romanians uh, view the strategic partnership uh, with the United States, which is very solid, very structured, and covers many areas, including uh, uh, security, as fundamental uh, to addressing uh, those issues. And I'm glad that we had uh, the possibility to communicate well uh, with the new administration on those aspects to uh, send our message, not only us, but also the Poles, in terms of uh, the complexity uh, of uh, the region, in terms of security, this region I mentioned, Central and Eastern Europe, and uh, the response we felt was positive and understanding. We'll see how uh, things uh, develop uh, in this respect. Now, our idea as countries uh, from Central and Eastern Europe is that the transatlantic link is fundamental uh, for a certain structure of stability and security uh, based on democratic values uh, in the world, a certain order in terms of international law. So the relationship between Europe and US is fundamental in uh, trying to uh, tackle the challenges uh, that we face, including the challenges uh, I mentioned before, from terrorism to uh, ballistic missile threats uh, to instability in the Middle East, etc. So without this bondage, without this link, with linkage between Europe and US, based on NATO, based, based on uh, decades of cooperation and communication, I think we will face a very difficult and uh, unpredictable future. And it's good that countries from Central and Eastern Europe, based on their recent historical experience, emerging from communists, uh, very recently in historical terms, only 25 years, uh, it might seem long, but in historical terms, it's not. Uh, they understand better uh, the uh, historical challenges that we have to face together in face of such uh, development. So, uh, perhaps without being very systematic, those are 
just a few remarks I wanted to, to uh, convey here uh, to discuss with you and of course uh, without uh, uh, extending uh, my, my, my remarks uh, I'll be uh, much happier to try to respond uh, to some of your commentaries and questions. Uh, again, uh, I'm uh, not uh, a pessimistic individual uh, in general, but uh, the reality uh, calls for prudence and not uh, for optimism in terms of uh, defining uh, the reality and trying to address uh, rationally the challenges uh, that we have to face uh, together. So thank you very much. Uh, I'm uh, again open to questions and commentaries. Uh, from you, I'm glad to be here and uh, to be able to speak to such an uh, expert and distinguished uh, audience here. Thank you very much. So, um, we will, Mr. Ambassador will take questions. Professor uh, Chris Jones from RECAS. Uh, thank you very much for your talk, Mr. Ambassador. Could you address the situation in Moldova? from the Romanian standpoint, the NATO standpoint, the EU standpoint, Ukraine and Russia, and of course the Moldovan standpoint. Yes, uh, thank you very much for this question. Moldova is a, a, s a small state, but a vibrant one in terms of its uh, quest for uh, achieving an identity, uh, developing in terms of uh, uh, democracy, reforms, and economy. Uh, it's under the pressure of many forces, uh, some of them uh, are very powerful, uh, coming from uh, its eastern uh, frontiers, that means Russia. It has a frozen conflict on its territory, uh, Transnistria. Uh, it has a young population that is uh, pretty much oriented towards Europe, and they uh, managed to uh, press the government in the past to reach an agreement uh, with the European Union, which was a very positive move in the, in the region. Now, unfortunately, uh, because of a certain ambiguity, because certain influences are more powerful uh, from Russia, because recent elections in terms of uh, their, uh, their presidency uh, were not, uh, let's say, in line with uh, a very clear uh, pro-European uh, stance. Uh, Moldova is uh, in a, uh, a difficult uh, position. As Romanians, as uh, a representative of Romania, we are trying to assist Moldova on its path towards reforms and uh, democratization. Uh, we are the largest donor in fact, among the EU states, the largest individual donor in terms of assistance for economic reforms, for the reforms of the justice system, uh, the energy system. Uh, we even uh, signed an agreement with the US on uh, coordinating assistance for development uh, last year. That means that uh, your government also has an interest, and that is good to see Moldova on its evol uh, evolution towards a democracy. Uh, but it's difficult, again, and uh, uh, 
I think we can do more as uh, uh, Europeans, the EU can do more uh, to uh, reach towards Moldova in terms of its uh, uh, quest uh, to Europe and uh, to uh, the development of uh, uh, market economy and a solid democracy. And this will be proof that uh, we have as Europeans the capacity to extend uh, at least uh, on the medium and the long term EU values uh, beyond uh, the classical frontiers that are now uh, formed by countries like Romania and Bulgaria. It's a EU frontier. And uh, uh, this will be a challenge for the future. Anyway, we uh, pose uh, a great uh, interest in seeing Moldova uh, succeeding uh, on this path. And we'll work hard for that, uh, investing a lot of uh, resources in this respect. But this raises, and with this I end, I don't uh, want to speak extensively on questions. Uh, Moldova, I mentioned Transnistria as a frozen conflict. That's also uh, a security and stability problem for Central and Eastern Europe. The issue of frozen conflicts, uh, Transnistria in Moldova, Abkhazia in Georgia, uh, now discussions on Ukraine, on the eastern part of Ukraine, which if uh, they will not succeed, uh, we might have there uh, a frozen conflict. And that's very dangerous in terms of stability and security uh, for this region. And unfortunately, I think it's part of a Rus uh, Russian strategy to keep those uh, conflicts uh, frozen or to develop frozen conflicts in case a crisis uh, arises to use them as a leverage uh, in terms of uh, their uh, discussions or their uh, interests uh, with uh, uh, with the West, but that's a personal opinion. Thank you. Another question or comment? <coughs> yes, please. Um, so recently, the United States has built a facility in at Devashelu. Yes, yes. Um, the part of the EPA. System. How has that played? How has that helped to either ease security concerns that Romania has, or failed to do so? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Uh, part of the Russian narrative uh, with respect to this development uh, is speaking about the deployment of the missile uh, defense system in Romania. Uh, that was uh, declared operational in 2015. Now, uh, Russia asserts that this is oriented against uh, Russia. It's not true because, uh, it, first of all, it doesn't have the operational capacity to do that as a design. Secondly, it's clearly stated uh, in this uh, respect that it's not oriented uh, uh, towards Russia. It's related to, to the ballistic missile threat emerging uh, from the Middle East. Uh, uh, still, uh, although we have an Iran deal, we don't have uh, um, um, solved the question of the ballistic missile program uh, in Iran. 
And of course, we might envisage also issues related to non-state actors that can uh, use uh, ballistic uh, missiles or missiles for uh, even uh, terrorist purposes. So uh, I think it adds to our security. It certainly adds to the security of NATO in terms of the ballistic missile threat. We shouldn't uh, be uh, uh, fooled uh, by uh, narratives that it's uh, strategic development oriented uh, against uh, Russia and against the INF Treaty and the balance of uh, um, strategic uh, forces in terms of missile defense. It's not the case. Yes, please. Um, question betrays some ignorance, but what is the position of uh, Romania with regard to uh, refugees from Syria, Iraq, and, and so forth? Yes, uh, well, uh, that's the position of the EU, first and foremost. Uh, we are part of the European Union, so uh, uh, we, uh, the reality, let's start with the reality on the ground. We were not affected uh, by the refugee crisis for various reasons, some geographical, some related to the fact that uh, still uh, we are not part of Schengen, and uh, that's uh, an ambition that we have. We think we deserve to be part of Schengen, but not being part of Schengen uh, uh, generates a certain uh, different in interest uh, for the flow of refugees towards uh, countries like Germany, for example, especially. Our position is that each uh, country should deal with this issue uh, inside the European Union uh, on the basis of concepts relate related to uh, humanitarian uh, uh, dimension and the security dimension. So uh, we refused to uh, uh, be imposed quotas uh, two years or three years ago in terms of receiving refugees. We said we can take even more than a quota or less if we can uh, really support an environment when, uh, where those refugees uh, can um, uh, really uh, settle well in terms of uh, uh, their uh, social inclusion in, in the society and uh, with a verification, of course, uh, minimal verification in terms of uh, the security uh, implications uh, of such a gesture. And we are taking uh, refugees uh, on that basis and uh, this is a policy which I think is uh, 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 wise uh, and good uh, in terms of uh, the actual situation. Thank you. Yes, Professor Jones. One more question. Uh, could you talk about the different the issue of Kosovo independence in, in NATO uh, and the, the European Union and the, the, the arguments about uh, recognizing uh, Kosovo? Yes. Uh, well, uh, you might know that we didn't uh, recognize Kosovo uh, as a country uh, for various reasons. Uh, uh, we have our own analysis in terms of uh, the legal aspects related to Kosovo's independence, the precedence that we, uh, 
can be generated by recognizing Kosovo. And we have this stance together with some other EU countries, including Spain, uh, Slovakia, uh, and I believe uh, uh, Greece, Kosovo recognition. Cyprus and Greece, yes. Uh, sorry, it's good to have assistance sometimes, <laughs> which is very focused on my conference. Uh, but um, uh, again, uh, this doesn't mean that in terms of uh, cooperating uh, with uh, Kosovo uh, in economic terms, we even sent uh, police forces to Kosovo to enhance uh, security uh, in Kosovo. So a de facto approach which is very pragmatical in trying to help this region to evolve uh, in economic and uh, social and uh, security terms without the formal recognitions for uh, reasons that are again related to our evaluation on uh, international law and our own uh, thinking about uh, the possibility of uh, using this as a precedence uh, to other situations. And I'm thinking even on Transnistria, even uh, look at why probably Spain didn't recognize Kosovo <laughs> right now <laughs> with the developments in uh, Catalonia. Yes, um, another question, comment? Yes, please. Um, so there's a large population of Hungarians in Romania. Yes. And there's been, I mean, the government in Hungary, Hungary has been extremely, has been getting more conservative over the last couple of years. Has this made any, like, thrown up any more uncertainty or tension between Romania and Hungary, or is this just sort of perceived yeah. as normal? Yes, thank you. Uh, so the percentage of uh, the Hungarian uh, minority in Romania is 6.8% from the total population of Romania. Uh, we, in terms of constitutional rights and legislation, we think that we are, and some others think, that we are a model in terms of extending rights to those minorities. Uh, just to give you a, an example, which uh, is might seem very uh, even extraordinary in terms of uh, constitutional rights. Each minority uh, in Romania, we have 18 minorities, irrespective of its size. We have some small minorities, for example, like the Turkish minority or uh, the Jewish minority, uh, are represented automatically in the parliament if uh, they uh, obtain uh, a minimum which is less than the minimum requirement for other parties to be represented in the parliament. And practically all of them are represented because it's, it's uh, uh, a small arithmetic uh, for them. And the Hungarian minority was, uh, of course, uh, being 6.10% is always represented in the parliament uh, by 6.10% from the population of Romania. So they always are part of the parliament, the local administration, and sometimes they form uh, coalitions with 
various Romanian parties in government. Uh, not to speak about legislation in education, administrative uh, regulations that really uh, integrate well the uh, such a minority in the overall uh, social life and political life of Romania. In terms of Hungary, uh, uh, we signed a basic treaty with Hungary uh, back in the 90s. It's a, a framework that really creates a, a stable uh, legal and political uh, environment uh, between our countries. Uh, of course, from time to time, uh, we feel the need to uh, address certain uh, statements or policies, the policies that we feel are too assertive uh, uh, coming uh, from Hungary, but we have the capacity to maintain uh, a structural normality uh, in our relationship uh, with Hungary. We are both uh, uh, partners in uh, the European Union, uh, in NATO, and uh, that's very important uh, also for uh, the stability uh, of the region. So we don't see actually a problem uh, in this respect. Thank you. Yes, please. Uh, when, we, when we think about um, cybersecurity in Europe, yes. Estonia, Ukraine, Georgia come to mind because they've all been hit from the Russian cyber attacks. I was wondering if yeah. you could you comment on the Romanian cybersecurity situation? Yes. Uh, we were exposed to attacks uh, in the past. We, however, developed uh, a system back in 2007. We started the national cyber security system integrated uh, uh, among various institutions and defense, intelligence services, the Ministry for Foreign Affairs, and also with the private sector, uh, which is very functional and capable of counteracting uh, such attacks. In fact, uh, we were chosen uh, to lead a NATO uh, trust fund to uh, assist Ukraine in uh, their development of a cyber security system. We are doing that now with six uh, NATO uh, partners and uh, allies. So we have a good expertise in this area, based also on a very skillful uh, IT uh, workforce uh, in Romania. But uh, we are aware that this is a uh, a challenge that will stay with us. We feel that uh, NATO uh, could do more in terms of developing uh, its cyber security uh, apparatus and system, let's call it like that. Uh, this will be a challenge clearly for the future for states. And uh, it's a very pervasive uh, challenge because uh, it's hard to attribute uh, responsibility uh, to uh, state actors when uh, uh, such attacks uh, occur. And that's an, a very political and very controversial uh, debate. So, first of all, we need to prepare for uh, defending uh, ourselves because we'll stay with this challenge uh, for the coming years. Clearly, technology only evolves. 
and uh, makes this uh, threat more intrusive and more pervasive, but we need also a certain international uh, regime in terms of regulating uh, the cyber uh, domain, let's say, which is again very difficult as a political task. And uh, even now, I read uh, yesterday or two days ago in the international press, uh, statements from various NATO officials related to Russian cyber uh, interferences in terms of uh, what we mentioned, Catalonia and uh, developments in Spain, and all official statements in, in this respect uh, coming from NATO. It was a NATO ministry, I believe, two days ago, uh, that uh, discussed some of those aspects. If we do not have more questions, so let me thank you, the ambassador, for his...